Hello, the internet, and welcome to this episode of the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, these are some of our favorite segments from this week, all edited together into one uh, nonstop infotainment laugh extravaganza. Uh, yeah. So, without further ado, here is the Weekly Zeitgeist. Please welcome the brilliant and talented Dave Ross. Oh my God! Hello, what an intro! What's up? Thank mm, you. Mm. Welcome to you. Yeah, so I love uh, the. Sorry, my phone just fell out of my pocket. I'm trying this new thing where I don't have the case on the outside of my phone. I just have the like screen cover, and Whoa. it just makes your phone so slippery. Yeah, it, it just falls all over the place. It's a mess. I did not know you like to live so dangerously, Jack. I thought you were just conservative dad but here you are just being like you know if my phone breaks it breaks that's just like conservative dad not conservative uh, in your politics but you know in your mannerisms damn i mean oh, i do no. i do get very excited about door clamps and just sea clamps <laughs> clamps of all sizes you know a lot of people think that nah, I, I won't go into it we'll do that on a, on a future episode i don't want to burn all my good material up top Man, it is interesting to find that you as a podcast host don't have an anxiety disorder as big as mine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is what drives me to keep my case on my iPhone all the time. What I have is ADD and uh, a, a daily podcast where I like find out stuff. Like I found out last week, there's this thing called the back tap where you can like tap the back of your phone if you don't have a case on it. And it like is like a fourth hidden button on, on your what? iPhone. And you can program it to do things such as open Shazam. I'm told I haven't figured that one out yet. What? But <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I haven't this... figured it out. But and I've only used it like Magical. once. This sounds like you're trying to get me to. This is some sort of like lie to get me to break my phone. Right, like the pool on top of the middle school where you like laugh <laughs> yeah, totally. at the kid trying to go up if there. If you throw it at the ground, you get money. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, money just comes out yeah. of the coins. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it just becomes gold. Try it. Yeah. I'm obsessed with uh, the premise of your podcast. What's it called is where you guys rename stuff, right? Y yes. Yes. It's, uh, man, you know what? Like, you know how it is. You make something you don't want to, like, uh, blow smoke. I don't want to, like, act like I'm so great or something. But I've made a lot of stuff, and that podcast is the most fun I've ever had. That's we great. uh yeah we just pick something either in pop culture or something in the past pop culture and uh pre and come up with new names from it pre twenty seventeen like really yeah. old stuff like ancient history yeah like middle ages stuff like from two <laughs> years ago and then like uh, <laughs> thousands of years ago like twenty seventeen yeah, yeah it's fun man I host with Caleb Sinan he's a lot yeah. of fun yeah, also previous guest on this show oh great what and you guys recently did Taco Bell. Yeah, that episode came out uh, yesterday. This yeah. is February 1st. Yeah, it came out yesterday, man. Yeah. And I don't remember what we renamed it. Right. I but it's just... about the journey, right? Yes, not... it really is. I don't really even know if we pick one. Yeah. It's yeah. not like somebody could just go in and like do a... Like the answers, <laughs> like just a list yeah. of answers. Here's what they named it. Don't worry. You don't have to listen to the show. I feel like a time or two we have a definitive like this should be the name. Like we renamed Titanic Boat, all caps. And that made us, <laughs> <laughs> that made us both laugh. So we were like, all right, we're done. This is a short episode. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, <laughs> the rest are left up to interpretation for sure. Yeah, yeah. The movie, Boat. Boat. 
Yeah, yeah, the movie. No, <laughs> not the boat. Though naming the boat boat might have made history a little more fun. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> boat died. Boat hit yeah. ice. And uh, everyone died. Uh, if yeah. the news were like that, that would be a lot of fun. Boat hit ice. Uh, I'm just saying that if James Cameron wasn't so intent on naming everything something that begins with T, he, yeah. or A. It's A or T are, the, are his only options. But boat, he could have created a whole franchise, which apparently he loves doing based on the Avatar franchise, because then there it could have just There is an Avatar 2 coming, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, December. this year, supposedly. We'll that see. is my, no, nothing is more mind-blowing to me than that. That seems like <laughs> the grossest misinterpretation of why a movie made money in the history of movies. <laughs> and yet, Dave, I am excited for it. Well, uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Listen, that's, Disney invested an entire park into Avatar, so they're definitely going to keep those movies coming back. Is that true? Did I just not get it? Like, I thought that we all were like, this is bad, but the fireflies being Are flying cool. around your head were cool. Right. So like, The cool. 3D technology, I do think, was a major factor in why people, like went and saw it in the first place but it definitely has its diehard fans and they are like desperate for this second movie and it's also there's just cameron stands you know so it'll probably like all hollywood movies that are not that great actually it'll still make money and the park will still look cool and we'll probably get another dope flying ride out of it so you know it's like stage capitalism we're just gonna enjoy the ride yeah 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 and, you know, yeah. like, special effects are great and great sci-fi, like, good-looking sci-fi is great, you know? Yeah. I'm sure I'll feel the same way about the first movie. I'll love the park. I'll love watching it, and I'll just think the plot was dumb, but I'll probably have a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, That's literally like, how I felt. The fact that the ride is supposedly so good is what mostly excites me, because I haven't done that, but, like, I, I don't know. He just, like, doesn't doesn't miss that often. He he generally, like, creates a good time at the, uh, right. at the movie theater, so... I'm, I'm assuming a lot based on that, you know, conservative dads are out here and we're, we're like, Jim, Jim Cameron, he, you know, if he <laughs> believes in it, then we do too. That's the conservative dad promise. What is something from your search history? Should I upgrade from the S21 Ultra to the S22 Ultra? All right. Okay. I don't know what the fuck that means. That's a, that's that's that Samsung life. So let me let me right. Am I right? That's that guy. Yep, that's yep, that Android. Yeah, right. That's okay. an Android life. Yeah. So you know what? You know, I think it was one of the first quotes when I was when I when my show was on iHeart that people related to when I was like, iPhones are the all life matters of cell phones because people be <laughs> people be people be shitting on people. And I had an Android phone. I got an iPhone now because I was given a free iPhone. And I was like, all right, free phone, I'll take it. I need to upgrade. But I was Android life for a while. And the segregation that Apple does. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Because you know what it is? Like, for me, it's like having an Android is like having like one of those. Remember when the old laptops used to, when the old laptops was like huge and they had a big ass dusty fan on it? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Sounded like it was taking off. Yeah, yeah, and then and then having an iPhone is like you know those you know those those little like toy computers where you you would open up and be like, would you like to play a game? <laughs> <laughs> right. it, it's like that. It's like and you you get all the same stuff done, and it, but it's just it's simpler and easier. Yeah, right. With, with the iPhone, but but then when I want to do something complex, it's like I'm always going running back. Yeah. yeah. You can't, you can't, so, you know, to answer your question, I don't know if you came up with the answer yet, but yeah, man, go ahead. 
Keep it alive for the Android family. I mean, the truth of the matter is, anybody that's Googling that question is getting the S22. I mean, it ain't even, <laughs> what are we even talking about here? Of course, right. I'm going to get it. I, I know I'm, I get, I'm always get it. You know? Yeah. So, really is the answer. No, nah, you're good. Like, yeah, that. that's not exactly. what you end up finding. What if the first, what if the first answer was, nah, man, go ahead and get that iPhone, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Some people, some people do I mean, yeah. I like, I like, I'm not anti-iPhone, though, but they, but boy, are the, the iPhone, you know, fans, they're, they, man, they're like, they like they're Trump worse. supporters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they they, you get they it. just rabbit any criticism they can't handle. It's That's funny because the iPhone, like you pointed out, the iPhone is designed like for stupid people or like people who aren't good at using technology and, you know, need it put on a platter for them and made like fun and pretty. And then to be a snob about that, to be like, well, I like, I just like the design simplicity of it. It's like, well, you, you like the fact that it's made for a child, so that a child yeah. could use it. But that's not a thing to be snobby about. iPhones made for anybody, right? Mm-hmm. But that's and, a weird thing to like take pride in and look yeah. down your nose at somebody else about. And the Android are made for the smart ones. Now, I do have an iPhone now, so I'm, you know, I'm not including myself in that. But for everybody else. That has an iPhone. I feel like the only difference I've ever noticed is like between the two is like my sister-in-law is always Android and her pictures look a lot better than anybody else's pictures. Like, I don't know if she's just good at it or if her phone just has better cameras. Because the phone she has, man. Right. Because, because listen, the worst phones in the world are Androids. Right, right, sure. yeah, right. Yeah. But. Buying the newest iPhone doesn't necessarily mean you have the best phone, but but right. people that people that are, are iPhone people just think that. Yeah. yeah, they think they just. I see. I remember because I always got the latest. I usually have a note. That's why I'm thinking about the S22. I, I usually have the latest note, and I have motherfuckers with an iPhone eight, like looking at me snobby because they got a they got a different color text from me or something like they they really yeah. it's even it's even comedians that's on this that think yeah oh you got oh you got a green bubble or whatever the fuck it color yeah. it comes on there oh it. it's like nigga, i thought you, you were successful yeah you got four megapixels on your camera leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> right out here boy you got a you got yeah. a back you got this you got the default background on there man because you can't right. change your wallpaper <laughs> Your phone stopped being able to update six years ago. (laughs) The reason I could never break into, like, Android is because, like, from the start, what you said your search terms were, just, like, my my mind, like, kind of turned off because... It, that sounds complicated to me. It I'm a tech, I'm like a tech, I'm a tech to guy, man. I just got my Oculus, man. I'm, I'm out Ooh, here. I just okay. got one, too. All right, yeah. Brian. Let me uh, tell you. Hey, hey. I, all right. Look, have you, have you done Thriller to Fight yet? No, I haven't. I just, I downloaded, because I yesterday I just, I went through the store, because I just got it yesterday. I went through the store. Okay. I bought a bunch of games. I mean, I, I favorited a bunch of games, and then this morning I went through and like, actually bought them. Yeah, yeah. So I got through the fight. Only one I had a chance to play was Robo Recall. Okay, okay. All right. But I'm going to get it, though, through a little fight. Through a little fight. Thrill Let me tell fight. you, bro. Beat okay. Saber. Beat Saber is good. Get you some water. You need water. to prepare for, like, get get your workout clothes on. Yeah, man. that shit, you oh, will like sweat. That? It's yes. like that, bro. It is it's, it's okay. like so hard. <laughs> Thrill of the fight is bro, so... Every, everybody I put it on, they want one. I know. Yeah. yeah. I, everybody. Bro, I took it, I did a Christ's podcast yesterday. 
and my Oculus was in my backpack. I was like, yo, you tried this yet? He's like, nah, I put that joint on him. Yo, he was like, yo, <laughs> yo, give me four. You ordered one from bro. inside. Yeah. The yeah. My mom bro, even did that shit. I let my mom play Beat Saber and she was like, how much that cost? I'm like, mom, you, you don't need no fucking VR. You ain't going to use it. <laughs> and she bought that shit. <laughs> you, you saw the video. There's a, there's a, it's a viral video. I don't know if it's viral. Does that even real anymore? But it's a dude. He, <laughs> he walked, he walked in on his mom. <laughs> she had the headset on. She her knees beside the bed like. Ah, for the it, listeners it, it uh, there was salatio being like, panamond yeah because like an older woman ain't gonna get caught that easy you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I thought it had to be staged. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good good staging though that's well yeah. like well planned you have, viral you, have a, you have a caught a woman masturbating that don't happen <laughs> women don't even have those stories yeah. No, they That's don't. No. All you got, all you got to do to catch a man masturbating is leave the house for two minutes and walk back in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He waiting for your ass to leave so he can jerk off. Like, yo, why is the why is the towel crispy? What the right. Fuck? <laughs> What's wrong with your socks, baby? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Gina, what's something you think is overrated? The North Face. Mm. Oh, I think okay. That, I think I think the North Face is overrated. To be be 100 honest i got a couple of things listed but that one that one jumped out at me right away now we're talking about the clothing company not the north face of an actual mountain yes the north face clothing company like i and i got some i got a pair of shoes there and i got and i have a coat Mm -hmm. you know i'm i i used to live in brooklyn so you have to have a north face jacket right you Mm -hmm. gotta have that you live in brooklyn Mm -hmm. gotta have it but like it just you know it's just just ski clothes that's all it is. It's ski clothes. It's clothes for skiing. And like everyone's wearing them, but like you're supposed to ski with them. And I'm like, this seems, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I like wanna, it's overkill. I see, it's overkill. I want to see a little more imagination in, in my, you know, my street fashions. I just think that, yeah. I think that North Face is just, you know, it, it's, it's played out. I'm feeling it. That's anyway. I, yeah. I, I feel like there's just too much North Face out there. Okay. It's like the Midwest uniform, which is like, you know, a pair of black leggings, some brown Ugg boots mm-hmm. and like, you know, a cream colored sweater, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. something like a very basic or one of the classic like navy blue North Face fleece also Absolutely. can go with yeah. that outfit. You know, mm-hmm. I get I get some people don't desire to be creative in their wardrobe and that's a choice, you know, yeah. but I agree with you that if we're going to go like style wise, like this is functional clothing. It's not. Mm-hmm artistically expressive in any way so yeah yeah you get to choose what's on your body and like every day the north face that's choices hey, choices have I, been made look as someone who grew up in a very hot place i i'm not gonna lie i i love a, i love a puffer jacket because i can't wear them here uh but you're damn sure if i go anywhere that's like below yeah. fucking like 60 degrees i'm like oh shit i gotta get the north face i got i don't have a north oh, face yeah. however i will say this if you like north face they had a fleece version of their Nupsy jacket, whereas fleece Ooh. on the outside, that shit looked kind of cool to me. Mm. All right. Anyway, this is not right. a North yeah. Face podcast, but I get it. It's a little bit overkill. <laughs> uh, what else do you have as overrated? The slack. I just, I, I, it's basically just aim for oh. business people. Peace. <laughs> right. Preach. Mm. Gina, preach. Yeah. We have, okay, I, I have a day job. And mm. they were talking about how this client was getting upset about using email and like there was this thread in the slack channel where they're like email is just so retro we should we should give them a slack channel and i'm like guys come on you're just you're just aiming them you're just texting them it's not 
Slack isn't this thing that like revolutionizes shit. It's just a little, it's a little application you can talk on. Right. Yeah. It's also the great distractor. Like, yes, it absolutely just creates more chaos. They're like, no, like all your thoughts will be organized and neater in this platform. But what really happens is now not only do I check my email and my text Mm -hmm. messages, but also I'm constantly being pinged by Slack. And because humans are humans, often it's not about work. And now I'm pissed. What are you dragging me into? I'm so busy. Mm -hmm. I hate Slack. I So when I was in freelance, every different place I was freelancing had their own individual Slack and they all expected you to check it 24-7. I have ADD, so obviously that didn't work. It was chaos. I hated it. Yeah. I Every time, it's funny, like, whenever there I've been in a company with Slack, I just don't use it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just like, Mm -hmm. I, I wish... I wish Yo, I could you do this email me. Thing. You could either yeah. like we use Slack. I'm like, well, I don't. So yeah. let's just <laughs> fucking find me because I can't I can't do my work and constantly have people asking like the most microscopic questions constantly and have to answer in real time. But anyway, shout out to the sponsor Slack. Uh, we love yeah, it. Yeah, good old Slack. <laughs> <laughs> what is something you think is underrated? I was thinking about this and I think for like a heterosexual male to be little spoon is very, Mm. very underrated. I don't see a lot Mm. of guys talking about this. I feel like I'm kind of in a unique position because my wife is very tall. She's six foot two and I'm five nine. So there's like a, there's a height disparity where, I mean, we kind of look like um, unlikely animal friends, like a YouTube video of that. (laughs) But during the pandemic, I really started leaning. Like she would be big spoon. And I was like, this is just the best. Why aren't people talking about how this is the greatest thing in the whole world? And it just, <laughs> it could, you know, I, I guess maybe guys are commonly uh, expected to be Big Spoon. But for me to be Little Spoon, I just, like, now I just, um, I, like, ask for it like a little kid now. <laughs> like, at night, I'm like, can I be Little Spoon? And it just, it just feels so great. And I encourage everyone to do it they have it and to lean into it because it's it's just a really nice feeling and I, i'll i'll piggyback off that because i'm i'm six feet tall and if you're you know a woman that's never been the big spoon before it's fun it's, <laughs> you know it you're like wow this is a it's not like it's an inherently powerful thing but you're just like i'm in charge of the cuddle yeah <laughs> right the, you're, you're the cuddle boss um, you are yeah i <laughs> rare to be the alpha in that situation for me but then it's like when you once you get a taste of, of of it you're just like damn all right yeah men have been feeling like this all the time i'm in charge and i'm like oh, ladies gentle feel like interaction this, this feels nice i get this like i'm like ooh, it's just a warm and cozy nice feeling and uh, i encourage everyone to do it it's nice yeah Love it. Do you ever just whisper, I could crush you right now, <laughs> Jamie, when you're doing it? Just to, like, you don't have to, like, make it uh, about the power, but just, like, a well, statement of fact. Yeah, I mean, you could, it's, it's, I, I like to remind people <laughs> how easily I could turn it into a headlock if things, <laughs> if things got serious. You watch MMA? Because, yeah, I'm just saying, this is, um, Great position. <laughs> You're kind of <laughs> fucked if I decided to uh, take it there. Not that it, yeah, I would. Yeah. But, yeah. I just right. lean over to someone's ear and be like, wild that you trust me like this. <laughs> <laughs> really leave your neck exposed. Huh? <laughs> yeah. No, it's just an observation. Uh, yeah. 
All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And so, like I said up top, we talked about Cuba making successful vaccines despite economic sanctions. And, you know, we've mentioned economic sanctions at various times. We mostly focus on you know, U.S. news. But when we do talk about international news, it's kind of impossible to ignore. But I don't think people, I don't think I like even fully understood the like violence of economic sanctions. But Asal, you've been discussing them like either on Twitter or, you know, in the context of Afghanistan and Iran. And I was just wondering if you could kind of speak to like what what it means, like what would what happens when the U.S. puts economic sanctions on on a country? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, what you sort of like suggested right now is this, and it's an idea within the country. I think people don't realize it, right? When you hear when we hear economic sanctions, we think like, well, it's not war, so that's better. That's like a nice alternative. It's like the benign way of pressuring governments rather than going to war with them. And the reality is, is that it's it's not benign. It's extreme. I mean, it is akin to war uh, in the sense that like why we say we don't say like we shouldn't go to war because we're wasting our I mean, we do say because partially because we're wasting our own resources. But like part of the moral argument behind why we should avoid like war and conflict in terms of the notion of like an international community and why we founded those things was really like in the wake of these massive wars, World War One, World War Two, just the amount of destruction, devastation and death that was caused by it, it was like, you know, sort of a wake up call for the world saying, hey, there should be better ways for us to figure out our, our differences or our problems. And so this idea of economic coercion and, and economic pressure is presented like it's the nice way of doing things, whereas it also causes devastation and destruction and people die because of sanctions, people lose their livelihoods, their jobs, they live in poverty. I mean, that is why we say we shouldn't go to war. And yet the other part of sort of this presentation of sanctions, the way it's talked about by U.S. administrations, and it's not unique to any political party. It's not, I mean, this is just, this is U.S. foreign policy, is that they target these governments that we don't like, right? Governments that, you know, partake in behaviors that is not in the interest of the United States that we don't like for X, Y, and Z reasons that we give. But in fact, they target civilians. Right. And we know this. I mean, the literature on sanctions is so clear of who is actually being hurt by it. And, you know, uh, sort of these exemptions, these humanitarian exemptions get written into sanctions law. But the reality of it is it doesn't work because, you know, you're looking at like, what is a what is a sanction? If like a bank is sanctioned, a central bank of a country is sanctioned and they're trying to purchase medicines, right? They're trying to purchase vaccines, we'll say. In order to purchase something, you need a transaction. There's, there's always a third party, there's a bank, some kind of financial entity in the middle that allows that transaction to take place. And they're so scared of violating U.S. sanctions that they just don't do it. They, they won't do it. It's not a question of whether or not they can legally. They just won't because it's not worth it from a business perspective. If you're a bank, right, it's not worth it for you to allow this transaction to take place in case you know, you uh, violate U.S. sanctions. And part of it is because there's so many. It's, I mean, have you ever tried to read some of the bills and things that come out of, of Congress? Just like legal language is complicated for most people to understand. Oh, yeah. And so now you have 
all of these sanctions you have like iran is the most sanctioned country in the world mm-hmm. you're talking about like well over a thousand sanctions right you have entities like financial entities in iran that are double or triple sanctioned so they're not just sanctioned once if that even makes sense but they're sanctioned under different designations so there's just this really complex web of sanctions and then you expect financial institutions to partake in transactions they don't and so what happens is you have countries that have like essential goods that they can't get you have scarcity hyperinflation uh, unemployment people losing literally losing their livelihoods right i mean in iran you have we had studies from last year that said something like 10 to 15% of the middle class had been forced into poverty that's millions of people right. and that's not that's not the government these governments stay in place i mean the yeah. most sort of obvious example is cuba right. it's a 60 year embargo right. What do you do for 60 years that doesn't work that you think year 61 is going to do the trick? <laughs> yeah. They'll come around. Yeah. We're, we're, we're close to getting them. Well, and, and there's the fact, there's the additional problem, which is, you know, if you're if, looking at it from the United States, our politicians and repeated U.S. administrations talk about this idea of like an international rules-based order, international law how like, you know, there's an international community, we love using these phrases. But then, like something like 172 countries vote uh, to, for the 30th year in a row to end the embargo on Cuba, and two countries say no, the US and Israel. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's a done deal. No, embargo is not going to be lifted. So it's like, what is that the international community then? Is it just these two countries and the other 170? Forget what they have to say. So it's, it's a combination of the policy and how the policy is implemented when you look at it on a sort of like international scale and the fact that we just don't do any of these things consistently. Like we're like, oh, we don't like this country, so they're gonna get sanctioned, but this other country that does the exact same thing, you guys are cool. Right. You you're you're never gonna get sanctioned, no matter what you do. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's it's such a like <sighs> you, you would think like, oh, it's all politics, but it's like, no, it's all like money and playing favorites and doing and, and making the U.S. money and making Israel money. And if you can't do that, then, honey, you don't got a shot and your people have to now starve to death in the streets and they can't have PPE and they can't have, you know, basic human rights because the U.S. is like not feeling right. it. It's a real it's so dark that it, it just generally there's no like. There's nothing that they can say. Like, even we watch it. We watch it on the news. We watch Biden be like, this has to happen because of this, this, and this. And you're like, mm, not really. Right. Like, but we can, you can go online and read what's happening. You can go online and see, like, actual news. You can go to, like, Al Jazeera. You can go to, like, read what's going on and be like, I don't know. I just don't think that's necessary to the extremes that we take it to, especially with Iran, when you can actually go and look at what's being reported about their nuclear program. And these choice, and these are just, it's just like, well, I don't know, Israel's like not feeling it. Right. And you're like, oh, well, fa- oh, well, good. Oh, well, God, you're right. Yeah. Well, I've, posed, I've tried to pose this question where it's like, okay, so let's say right now, there's a lot of talk about Russia and Ukraine, right? It's just Russia, Ukraine, yeah. Russia, Ukraine constantly. And what is, what is it that we're saying Russia is doing that's wrong, that they shouldn't be doing? Ukraine is a sovereign nation. Russia can't invade a sovereign nation. I mean, is no one seeing the irony of the United States saying you can't invade sovereign countries? So that's a basis for 
we're going to massively punish the Russian government. The Russian government, I put in quotes because, again, it's broad scale sanctions would punish Russian people. But we're going to punish the Russian government because they invaded a sovereign country. Same thing we did. We put sanctions for human rights violations. U.S. is, you know, obviously a country that through its own wars and committing war crimes is abusing human rights. And domestically, mm-hmm. of course, you can talk about systemic racism. You can talk about the fact that we have the most prisoners in the world. In fact, 20, one of every four prisoners on the planet is in the United States. So these are all things that we could, uh, that we sanction other countries for that we do ourselves. We sanction members of other countries, uh, politicians in other countries on corruption charges. This while, while in the U.S., U.S. politicians buy stocks and make money off mm-hmm. of industries that they regulate, which in any other context we would call corruption, but in the U.S. it's called capitalism. So there's that. So the question becomes, okay, would it be justified if right now Americans lost their savings, were starving, couldn't access medicines in a pandemic because of the actions of the U.S. government, which according to the government itself are all sanctionable sanctionable crimes, right? Because that's what we say to other countries. So it's just this constant loop of hypocrisy that is, if you pay attention to it long enough, you miss being bored. Like I said, boredom, it is underrated. <laughs> it's just the more you pay attention, yeah. the more frustrating it is. Because it's like, what? We're just we're full of shit. That's the only way of saying it that, that's very yeah. honest. It's like, we just, we do things and then punish other countries for doing the same things we do. Right. You uh, retweeted a headline about uh, over a million flee as Afghanistan's economy collapses and added that Afghans are selling their children and organs to survive while the U.S. is intentionally choking Afghanistan's economy because we lost a 20-year war. Like, that's, yeah, that that's just, I, I feel like that is not getting the level of attention that it probably deserves in the in the mainstream media that like that is what is happening that is the consequence and it's being done in these bills and that that if you read them all it would break your brain like you you come out like the other end with just like a 30,000 mile stare because so like they they know how to do it in a way that is so boring that people won't pay attention to it but the the whole idea of economic sanctions and like how Americans kind of justify it to themselves reminds me of the attitude of like corporations who want credit for giving jobs to people, like who think people should be like grateful for like Trump at one point was asked like what humanitarian thing, like to name a single humanitarian thing he'd ever done. And he talked about like, well, I feed and clothe thousands of people who work for my company. I give so many jobs. I'm a job creator. And like that idea that like rather than like these are people I should be grateful to because they serve me and I get to be a billionaire celebrity uh, instead of that, it's like you know, they owe me because I created this job, even though that job would have been there just with a different asshole at the top, probably, if Donald Trump didn't exist. But like with the U.S. and sanctions, obviously it's different, but like I feel like it's similar logic. Like the U.S. creates the situations where they need people to do things that aren't in their best interest and then starve them when they don't do those things. And 
again, they act like they should get credit for like any economic activity that happens anywhere in the world. And it's like their right to withhold economic activity. Like the U.S. economy is coming over there and like feeding them normally and then just choosing not to with economic sanctions. But like it would be easier for them to do nothing and let children eat and like let their families like get the food that like the global economy would bring to them. But instead, they are doing a great deal of work to kill people to like starve people in ways that are just like don't don't make headlines yeah that, that the fact that it doesn't make headlines is the important part right there were a lot of headlines during the afghanistan withdrawal so withdrawing mm-hmm. from afghanistan everyone across the media spectrum was constantly talking about it and and, and on sort of uh right-wing media that wanted to criticize Biden for withdrawing, it was a question of abandoning the Afghan people, right? It was, we're abandoning the, so that was the big thing. It's like, oh, look what we're doing to Afghan people, because they, of course, care so deeply about the population (laughs) of Afghanistan. Now those same people are just silent on the fact that you have, I mean, when you read the stories about people literally lining up to like sell organs because they're trying to survive, they're, they're, when, when people talk about selling their children, there's another situation, there's another humanitarian crisis, what has been deemed the worst humanitarian crisis in the world in Yemen, which the U.S. is also complicit in. Um, so I always think, like, think about that fact. Here we are talking about human rights, we're centering human rights in foreign policy, and we love human rights, they're so important to us, and yet the U.S. is complicit in the world's worst ongoing humanitarian crisis and is now complicit and actually actively involved in the w- world's worst oncoming humanitarian crisis in Afghanistan. Yeah. So number one and number two, the U.S. is behind that in both cases. So it's like, right. how can you still reasonably say that we are concerned about, you know, the, the, the fate of Afghan people when you know more than half the population is facing starvation in a freezing winter and we just do nothing about it? We, we'll spend... So we will spend, this, the United States will spend trillions of dollars, uh, put American soldiers in harm's way, uh, wage a war and bomb a country for two decades in the name of, of liberating them, but then won't lift a finger to not let them starve. Yeah. Like this doesn't require the U.S. to do anything, just allow them access to the, what belongs to the Afghan people. Like the, the funds of the Central Bank of Afghanistan belongs to the Afghan people. Right. And that is being frozen. They have no access to it, this w- which is a central reason why the economy is in freefall. It's collapsing. Right. Yeah, it's requiring intervention by the U.S. to put these sanctions in place. And that is preventing that. Like, it's I don't, like I think people just have such a U.S. centric view of the world that they're just like, yeah, well, they don't get the nice things that we give to other countries as opposed to know the U.S. is going in and like freezing their economy, essentially, and starving people as a consequence. Like, I mean, think about the fact that the projections are that more Afghans will die of starvation now as a consequence of U.S. economic policy than died in 20 years war. Jesus. Wow. It's uh, and then, you know, naturally, the U.S. will then go sell weapons into the region and make money off that, causing further destabilization and violence. It's great. Yeah, we just make money. It's for us to make money. Right. Every time it's actually one of the most interesting points 
it's like, oh, look at these, quote, terrorists who have weapons. They get weapons. I'm like, well, you know, if you wanted less weapons in the Middle East, you could just stop selling them there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just stop, like, you could stop starving them. giving them, them weapons. <laughs> Yeah, it's like oh, Saudi Arabia is committing war crimes in Yemen. Guess who the U.S. America's number one arms buyer is? Saudi Arabia, and we just sell them over and over again with no, you know, with no thought. It's like where we have the world's leading, like I think something like forty percent, close to forty percent of the entire world's military budget is spent by the U.S. We're also the world's number one arms dealer, Mm -hmm. and it's just like well, we are. Our, so much of our economy is run on weapons. And it's like, oh, we're, we're a peaceful nation. I'm like, that doesn't <laughs> add up. That doesn't yeah. really add up very well. Yeah. That's the degree to which the U.S. economy f- since like the beginning of the 20th century has been propped up by the milita- military industrial complex. And like, we, we, like it came up when people were comparing some of the budgetary, you know, infrastructure bills or like humanitarian aid domestically with the defense budget. And they were like, oh, this thing that's being described in the media as a $10 billion bill, that's over the course of like a decade. And the military budget is 10 times that for just this year. Like it's just invisible to people and therefore just like so powerful and just like gets away with like doing really whatever they want. But I I think it like is the secret behind the U.S. economy that like Americans don't want to look at is that the entire economy is propped up by the fact that they spend as much as they want on the military, on weapons. And yeah, it's horrible. That comparison point yeah. was so important, right? When when we looked at like Build Back Better or any anything where it was social services, right? Like services, actually safety nets for American people cannot get that passed in Congress. Even even a Congress that is, you know, a House and Senate with Democrat majorities and a Democrat White House. Uh, I think one of the biggest frustrations for me is when you listen to like the Biden ad and say, oh, it's the Republicans. I'm like, well, is right. it? Yeah. Like, no. It is to a certain extent, <laughs> but also you have the majority in everything. So somehow, amazingly, the Republicans, when they are a majority, can do whatever they want. And then when they're a minority, they can block everything. Right. And Democrats are always helpless. Hmm. Weird. Majority or almost minority, if, always helpless. Almost as if that's their job. <laughs> Secretly, that's what they're there for, is to be bad. As if they're not all money in their pockets as well yeah to like claim the progressive ideals but then actually not not get any of them to move forward well in order to sort of like sell this idea first of all the fact that it's called defense budget is itself (laughs) complete bullshit right (laughs) Right. like we're not we are no one is attacking us here (laughs) right like when this is not happening it's been a while in america it's been a while yeah yeah. Whereas everywhere else in the world, they're, they, like if you look at the uh, the Middle East, especially where we've had the biggest footprint in the last couple of decades, I mean, there's constant, constant war all over the region. And so we talk about defense when our military is across the world. Like no one is at our borders. Right. We have the U.S. military, military bases all over the world. We have, 
you know, in, in the middle of the Persian Gulf, you have the U.S. Coast Guard. I love that. That's one of my favorite things. The U.S. Coast Guard. The U.S. The Coast Gulf. Guard. <laughs> <laughs> the guard of the U.S. Coast is in yeah. the Persian Gulf, huh? And so you have to have this sort of media hysteria that we're, we're always in danger we have, because mm-hmm. the only way to justify the amount of money we spend is that it's to protect Americans. I mean, I think Biden actually said that today about the attack in Syria that took out, I don't know how many leaders ISIS has, but yet another ISIS leader that took out an ISIS leader, killed a few, several civilians. And then he, he said something to the effect of, or tweeted something to the effect of, you know, uh, protecting American lives at home or something. Well, like, but Syria is not attacking the U.S. Right. There yeah. are no Syrian troops in the U.S. There are no protecting. Syrian troops or yeah. military bases anywhere yeah. close, not even on the same hemisphere. And somehow that's, that's the way that it's framed. So it's, you know, these countries are all a threat to the U.S., Russia, China, Iran, at one point, it was Iraq, which is why we had to invade Afghanistan, which is why we had to invade. So you're, we're, con- we're bombarded, which is like psychological torture to do that to your own people. Like we are bombarded with messages that tell us we are always under threat. Oh, yeah. So that justifies just trillions of dollars constantly being spent on, on wars abroad. Yeah, it's a real fucking mess. Here's, here's my pitch. <laughs> so we continue to call it the defense budget, right? But we pivot it to social services, but we continue to call it the defense budget because we need defense from the U.S. government. Right. The people. (laughs) Because even one third of that budget could do miracles for this country's social services. Yeah. Just even the bare minimum to give us health care. Right. I think it used to be called like the war budget or something. Howard Zinn writes about that in A People's History of the United States that the department changed its name when they stopped waging defensive wars and like moved into starting to be like offensive. They changed their name to Department of Defense to throw everybody off the scent. And yeah, while it was Department pretty... of War. That's what it was. It was yeah. Department of War and Department yeah. of War became Department of Defense. Yeah. And can you imagine how much they paid the PR agency that helped them pivot? Yeah. Like, And we just kind of want to have a more positive spin. Maybe let me make it look like we're in trouble. They probably gave them cartoon bombs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably where it all comes from. They're like, now make all imagery a little cartoonish. <laughs> right. And everyone will be like, oh, my God, how cute. We do need that nuclear bomb. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, okay, great. All right, let's take a quick break. And we're going to come back. And we're going to talk about Rudy Giuliani and Dolly Parton. Because we have to. And we're back. If I said Nicolas Cage was a goth, would that track with either of you? It would make sense yeah. to me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it depends on how you're envisioning a goth, but like he seems like a, a softcore goth, you know? Okay. He's not that. giant chunky boots and, and heavy black makeup, but he probably, I could hear him listening to death metal and, you know, I don't know, reading marks. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. soft goth. <laughs> goth. Okay, I like I, that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Two important details from Nicolas Cage. When the man had the money, he bought a dinosaur skeleton. Very sure did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very <laughs> I like that. And when given, you know, the Marvel canon to, to be a, a hero, he picked Ghost Rider. Very goth. Very goth. Yeah. Very goth. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, damn. See, I'm glad I got two experts with me here. Well, he just did an interview <laughs> with the LA Times 
And he discussed all kinds of things like his career, his relationship with his unky Francis Ford Coppola, <laughs> his kids, and, you know, even his new role playing Dracula in the upcoming uh, film called Renfield. And the thing I wasn't aware of, again, is that he's a bit of a goth. He talks about his pets. And this is where he starts revealing his goth cred. He says he also has a crow named Hoogan, H-O-O-G-A-N, who lives in a geodesic dome at Cage's home mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. This is a quote from Nick Cage. He has taken to calling me names. It's comical. At least it is to me. When I leave the room, he'll say bye and then go, ass. Ha <laughs> ha. Crows are very intelligent and I like their appearance. The Edgar Allan Poe aspect. I like the goth element. I am a goth. <laughs> oh. This is the greatest. Nice. Nice. I can't believe I didn't see this before. I really love the idea of. Nick Cage in his Las Vegas home, right? Mm, Is he one of those Vegas people who is constantly watering their lawns? They have like a lush green lawn and water quickly disappears? Or is he like embracing the desert aesthetic where it's like all, uh, Mm. what do you call, I forget what you call those plants that grow in the desert. uh, Succulents, cactus. There you go. Does he have a succulent garden? Which to me, beautiful. And I also like that he has a geodome for his crow? What's in there? Is he just throwing, like, rabbit carcasses in there? Listen, an entire movie on this alone. Like, I just Mm want to see him get into his house. Like, his crow speaks, which I didn't know crows could do. Do they speak? Or is he just imagining this crow is calling him an ass? Yeah, I don't... Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know. I think I found his his home on Zillow, and it looks (gasps) like... It looks like Lex Luthor's fuck pad. Yes, it does. Okay, perfect. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to put it in the yeah. chat so you can see it. Now, I, the, this is his former home that was listed at the, like this last summer in 2021. So I don't know if that's the same as what he's got now. But this house definitely is is not goth. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to take your goth card, sir, if you're living. Oh, that is not goth at all. Yeah, no. That, 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 that looks like Kim Kardashian's house. That is right. very ungoth. Very ungoth. What do you think his definition of goth is? Because clearly he's like, I like a crow, like Edgar Allan Poe. I'm goth. Like, I mean, it the, also the just crow, feels like he just said the, that. You know what I mean? The talking crow, very goth. Mm-hmm. The miniature Epcot Center for the crow to live in, not too goth. I don't know. <laughs> I still think squishy goth. Like, have you guys ever seen, like, the, the goth girls who, like, all their goth gear is pink. So it's the same kind of mm-hmm. like giant metal thing. I think goths come in a beautiful array. Yeah. And true. I also feel true. like if you just identify, like, I believe he has a dark soul. You know what I mean? Right. Like, oh, yeah. goths are some of the squishiest people, but their souls are dark. You think yeah. about like dark things a lot. And listen, I think if you're going to keep a crow in your house, there's a little goth in you Absolutely. somewhere. I agree. But the somewhere. crow lives in Epcot Center. So he. <laughs> He mixes it up a little bit. He's a Disney goth. What's a, what's a more goth thing, like a skull cage or something? Yeah, or just like some like wrought iron like cage oh, right. that you could trace its lineage back, you know, mm-hmm. to the to the Carpathian Mountains, oh, something like that. Oh, shit, right. He's like, this yeah. is actually uh, purported to be like part of like a, a melted down collection of swords Vlad the Impaler had. Exactly, yes. And you're like, oh, yes. okay. It's like, I- I'm looking at this. This actually, it's stamped. This says made in China That's on right. the back. That's Whoa, right. You it's, bought it. Geez, the, the, they make them all over. Anthropology sells it. Yeah. I would love to scam <laughs> Nicholas Cage on some fake goth shit. Too. Oh, <laughs> like, no. I mean, oh, no. I, I want to say maybe one of his dinosaur skeletons was fake. So I think, I think the man can be scammed. 
Yeah, maybe it's already happened, right? I will say, though, he's not nuts. Birdsadvice.com says, yes, crows can talk in the same way as parrots do, using their cernix, which is basically their vocal cords, to mimic words and sounds they hear and repeat them. Despite not Mm. always being so close to humans, they're pretty good at mimicking human speech without any mutilating, which is wild. If a crow ever spoke to me, that's it. Like, I'll die. I'll straight fall on the ground. Don't speak to me, crow. I'm already afraid of birds. I can't. Did you see that that one TikTok? I don't know if y'all are on TikTok a lot, but there's a TikTok like that came out like six months ago that blew up about this lady who, or I don't know if it was, I, f- I forget who, who the person was, but this person like befriended a fucking crow and they were just like first like kind of feeding the crow and low key the crow like was always just checking for this person and eventually just like would fly on this person's shoulder and they're like, wow. oh my God, the crow fucking with me. I can't believe this shit. And it was one... It was like I got so excited of the idea of like having a loyal crow. Mm. Um, maybe I'm goth too. <laughs> Fuck it. I mean, you could be a little goth. I think I'm more health goth. Health you know? goth. What is a health goth? I mean, that sounds fascinating. That's like a whole sub like fashion style of goth. Of like, it's more like fashion, like black fat. Like, yes. Like you're wearing like like life's like uh, active wear, but it's more goth. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Goth yeah. Active wear. I'm goth obsessed. active. The yeah. Lululemon goth collection. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think of something <laughs> less you out than you pull up in some Lululemon. You're like, hold on. Lululemon collaborating with Hot Topic. We got we got the whole mall represented here. Come right. On. You got a Jack, you got Jack Skellington, Lululemon uh, yoga pants. Okay. You got something going on. You got it. The, another thing that was really funny from this interview, too, is like there's this moment where he's talking about his inspiration, like in how he's in a model. He's playing Dracula mm-hmm. in a fucking comedy horror. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when he was talking about his research for this role, this is what he was saying. He's, he's such an artist. <laughs> the key, I think, is movement. I saw a movie called Malignant, and the director James Wan and the actress Annabelle Wallace created this choreography that was terrifying. So I'm hoping to do something like that, where Dracula can either glide or move like Sadako in Ringu. <laughs> All right. Love it. Amazing. Love it. Love it that, love it that he cites... Sadako and Ringu and not, you know, the, the, the ring, not, not the, not the new yeah. Watts. Yep, yep, he, he goes yep. OG. Yeah. He's fucking Again, goth. Yeah. Very goth. Right. Yeah. I fuck it. So he's an icon, you know, who would have thought? I look forward to seeing what movements Nicolas Cage has come up with. If he did it by himself or if he got a movement coach to help guide him. <laughs> this sounds like it's going to be amazing. I hired the <laughs> Jabberwockies, uh, <laughs> experts in dance and movement to, so I could glide. Watch, he's like getting a sick ass glide though, like he's dancing, like his Dracula. He's like really glide stepping. That might be actually something uh, worth. I'm, I'm all for it. You know, I'll, I would. I'm gonna be there. Yeah. I'm gonna be there. Oh, yeah, just the same as I'm gonna be there next Friday when that movie where they throw aliens throw the moon at Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, ball? day one. Day yeah, one. Absolutely. So absolutely. excited about that. That's yeah. that's that level of commitment from me. Nicholas Cage, okay. Dracula. Aliens throwing the moon at the earth day one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be there. there for that. We're and you got to respect the man's like movie choices recently. Like he was Spider-Man noir and into the spider. Very mm-hmm. instantly mm-hmm. iconic for the kids way to like, just welcome yourself to that generation. Then he did primal, which was horrifyingly like gruesome and amazing. And then pig, which I haven't seen yet, but the reviews are out of this world. So pig is great. Yeah. Yeah. Check out Color Out of Space, another Nicolas Cage recent movie. It's his, it's his uh, removing the rampant racism, but yet still doing H.P. Lovecraft type thing. 
Nice. I mean, he's got, I mean, he's, he is versatile. You know, he's been in a Coen Brothers film. He's won an Academy Award. Mm-hmm. He's got like, you know, he's no slouch with it, but he just sort of became a meme over the years because he's had some memeable performances and you can't Absolutely. blame him for that. And also, I guess, I guess it is kind of goth to like be like deny that you're part of a really dynastic, famous family and be like, that's <laughs> yeah, not that's, me. I'm Nicolas Cage. Me. Ignore my that's, driver's license where it says right. Nicolas Coppola. <laughs> fame. Fame is the cage. Therefore, I am Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I would say even the name choice of Cage is uh, it's pretty good. Right. Pretty good. Oh, yeah. wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad I got some. We, we got to drill that down because, yeah, uh, Nicholas Cage, come out with some like a goth line. I'm sure people will Hell uh, yeah. Will be like, what the fuck is this? And then some people are like, you know what? It's legit. That's right. And then lastly, I just want to touch on this Canadian trucker convoy. I don't know if y'all oh, have yeah. seen the images of like Canadian truckers who are like, you know, moving along in this very, they say, thousands of trucks long convoy to protest the vaccine mandates. Uh, they call it the Freedom Convoy. Oh, God. Yeah, uh-huh. it's exactly. And it started in Alberta, Canada, and has made its way across the country. And it ended on Friday, I believe, in Ottawa. And this has been a thing that the right wing media has really like latched onto because they like the idea that there are also, you know, ignorant people who are anti-science uh-huh. in Canada as well. That they're like, Hey, look what's going on here. Donald Trump Jr. even like posted about it and was saying like that this is a genius idea, like as he was, I guess, in between doing bumps of cocaine or something. Mm-hmm. But it, I guess it was because they're standing up for medical freedom. Elon Musk even tweeted that Canadian truckers rule uh, following followed by a tweet that <laughs> said that CB radios are free from government and media control, like as if to like underline their cred. But I would just check the FCC website. Yeah. About that, because there is something, the mobility division. Never mind. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, they're not controlled. Just because you can scream shit out on anything you want on a CB radio doesn't mean that it's not. It's regulated not controlled. On some yeah. level. <laughs> um, and, you know, again, the American media has been, especially the right wing media, has been like amplifying this shit and the whole like fake narrative around it. Fox News, they're like, we got to get, we got to get a Canadian person's take on that. They basically were just figured, I guess, all hockey players are probably Canadian like and politicians so they interviewed this former player Theo Fleury who claimed uh, who's also like a COVID conspiracist so he's perfect for this he claimed the Ottawa protest would draw 50,000 trucks and (laughs) 1.4 million people Mm -hmm. which doesn't track considering that about a half million more people like that's that's about a half million more people than the entire population of Ottawa but go off you know what I mean I get it y'all got support Tucker Carlson even had a whole segment saying that there's thousands of trucks, you know, uh, moving along the this this whole convoy. And some have said that this is a Guinness World Record breaking truck convoy and that it's 50,000 trucks. Well, a few people who are near it did some counting. Estimates are closer to the hundreds, not the thousands or tens mm-hmm. of thousands as they need, because it's also about lying about how big your movement is. And even though the 50,000 number was like Snopes was like nopes on that uh, and other people like even local police departments were like actually counting and posting how many trucks and vehicles were part of it. it even number one asshole Joe Rogan was even saying like, he's like, oh, man, like, look, they got $50,000 like the country is in revolt. But most truckers in Canada are like this is such a small pop- like portion of our entire workforce, considering mm-hmm. that 
about between 85 and 90 percent of truckers are fully vaccinated in Canada. So, yeah, it, it make it stands to reason. What is this? And the deep, really stupid irony of it, of course, it is just a fundraising campaign for neo-Nazis like that, mm -hmm. of course, because everything is these days. Everything's mm -hmm. a fundraising campaign for neo-Nazis. Oh, yeah. There's always money involved. There's no yeah. real activism involved. Right. In it, right. It's always money. But like their their complaint is, is that the Canadian truckers have to show a vaccine proof of vaccination to enter the United States. And and back again. Mm -hmm. But like the United States also has that requirement. Right. So it, so it it's not like if you Canada stopped way. it, they right. still wouldn't have to show a vaccine. They because when they get to America, they have to show a vaccine. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's literally protesting nothing. Well, okay, but <laughs> duh, duh, no, 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 you're you're you're, you're <laughs> saying too much real stuff out loud. Okay, that's the cover because, as you said, yeah. it is just a neo-Nazi parade. Crowds of like these like supporters that have been cheering, they're like waving proud boy flags, like they're going off to war or some shit. Other people like who've just like anecdotally snapped pictures of people in the convoy, like in Ottawa, they were flying like Confederate flags off of their trucks. And, you know, a lot of like there's an extreme right neo-Nazi group who's like urging the protest to, quote, turn this into Canada's very own January 6th. Mm. And it's not just the random supporters. The convoy itself has been organized and managed by people with connections to these like extremist groups like the Yellow Vests. They're a right wing group that wants like Western Canada to separate from the Western, like the West, the rest of the country. And they fucking have raised over six million dollars on GoFundMe. Yeah. Yeah, but of course they did. Luckily, there's too many questions about the like, who is how are y'all using this? They're like, it's for food <laughs> and lodging. They're like six million dollars, fam. We like so yeah. GoFundMe. They're like, we will release a million of it. But the, if you're looking for the other five, you actually need to show like where this money's going because it looks and stinks like a Nazi grift, which ding, ding, ding. Uh, it seems like it is. But the other thing is that the pre person who launched this whole campaign is not even a trucker. She was part of this group called Wexit that was essentially saying they wanted Western Canada to join Donald Trump's America. Mm. And of oh, course, yes. everybody's just loving, loving the proximity. Famously conservative Vancouver, California. Canada, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. One of the last places to legalize yeah. cannabis on Earth. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's again. This is all part of you know this like they're finding their they're finding their kindred spirits across the border and saying like yes maybe we can we can mm -hmm. do something here and make our both of our countries even worse. But yeah, it's just wild to see that this is like a a fundraising thing for a growing alt right movement uh, in Canada. I just want these guys to stop over promising. Like mm. a couple of hundred is a good number, y'all. You do not have to yeah. be out here saying thousands showed up. You're going to be proved every, like you're obviously going to be proven wrong because there's people out there. This is all they do for a living. Mm -hmm. They're like, what were the numbers for this event? It's important to track. Other than that, like, I, I don't know. It's having seen a, many a parade with a Confederate flag waving. I'm just glad we've entered an era officially where we can be like, yo, no, that flag is just straight up racist. It's just straight like up racist. Like we've removed yeah. it off the we've removed it off the state flags now. So, you know, he, we lost the war pretty officially. Hopefully we can all just move on and just acknowledge what is happening and be like, no, that's just Nazis doing their right. Nazi thing. Hey, but not my car, General Lee. There you go. <laughs> uh -oh. this, this time I was doing stand-up in Pennsylvania, Union State, mm -hmm. Central Pennsylvania, Allegheny Mountains. 
I was on this. I, I was opening for a conservative comedian. I don't know how my life got to this point. <laughs> oh my god! I am. I I am a I am a very leftist trans woman stand up comedian. Originally, got started in Brooklyn. Now I live in L.A. Somehow or other, I got hooked. I got connected with this guy. He wanted an opener, and I somehow I got picked. He was fine. He was uh-huh. he was he was he was more of like a Long Island conservative, just a little bit of an asshole, but didn't, oh, right. didn't diet not right racist. hate people. Yeah, like a diet racist, exactly. Right. But we go and we do this show at a bar in like Allegheny, Pennsylvania, and there's a Confederate flag on uh, yeah, in in the bar. Hmm. And I'm like and I get up and I'm like I'm like, guys, what's what's the Confederate flag? <laughs> Hey y'all know oh. what this y'all know what this place was I mean, back this then? Is, <laughs> yeah, this is Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this didn't exist there. They, yeah. They love they love their They love it. All right, that's gonna do it for this week's weekly Zeitgeist. Please like and review the show if you like the show. Uh means the world to Miles. He he needs your validation, folks. Uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday. Bye.